Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Powerful Creators Mentoring. Are you ready to manifest rapid growth in your business or sales career? Head on over to PowerfulCreators.net forward slash mentoring. Enter promo code MENTOR96, all caps, and get 96% off your first mentoring session. Today's show is also brought to you in part by Naked Warrior Recovery. I have been on a personal health journey to improve myself, and after stumbling across Naked Warrior's Happy Berry Energy Drink, with all the good vitamins and electrolytes that give you great balance and mental clarity without the junks and jitters that other brands give you, I personally can't get enough of Naked Warrior Energy Drink Powder. It tastes like Happy Berries, too. Click the link in the bio, type in promo code JBolton at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Hold on. I feel like we can just keep chatting and then it's just going to be like, oh, shoot, I forgot to record. Don't see Josh. All right. All right, cool. Yeah, but the that's another one I tell people. I'm like, no, we're not actually going to find a cure for cancer. So... I've got an even better one. I don't think they're ever going to come up with a way to make driverless cars work. Yeah. I mean, they're spending a lot of money, most of it being invested by the government and insurance agencies trying to develop completely autonomous cars. But I just don't think it's possible. Or if it is, only the the truly upper echelon can afford it. I, I agree with you. I actually think they would be smarter to give up on driverless cars and focus on driverless helicopters and airplanes. I want to say, I would say most autonomous vehicles. It would actually be relatively easy. You'd still need one human, but most of the the, the I see most planes already fly themselves. They just have a human. It's like oh, it's off by a few degrees. Yeah, uh, I have a friend who used to be a commercial pilot, and he told me the software on most of those planes can get the plane to the middle of the runway within three yards, one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just they're there for the takeoff and pretty much like any turbulence and then the landing. Yeah. If bad stuff happens, they want a human making those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, uh, what else is new with you today? Uh, well, I just finished. Uh, I, I didn't realize I was a, a, a broadcast journalist instead of simply a podcaster until two weeks ago. So I just finished my last interview as a broadcast journalist covering the Mobility Matters Conference from Portland State University. Okay. And I'm, I had a little fun with a post because, you know, I'm, I'm known as the guy who says, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. And uh, so a few months back, a guy asked if he could play his sax on the intro to my podcast. And uh, my a couple interviews I've had over the last month. One of them was an autistic magician. And I asked him if he'd make, if he could do a trick for my audience. Cause obviously I can't see if he did the card trick correctly or not. <laughs> I did play along as a good sport. And then uh, I had a, I had a blind author and musician named uh, Heather Hutchison on my podcast. And, and I asked her to sing. So I'm, I'm finishing up this last five podcasts in five days with the organizer of the event. And I said, I'm going to give you a few minutes just to clo- just to just to share whatever thoughts you have. And and she just starts singing, and I'm like, okay, you know, I put so when I post I posted on Facebook today. I said, you know, the What's Your Excuse show is becoming a variety show, and I listed all four of those examples. 
I said in joke, in jest, because I'm just I don't I didn't think I wasn't thinking this seriously, but just just to have fun with it. I said, you know, all we need is a sponsor, and we could give Kelly and Ryan a run for their money. <laughs> Were you serious? Or you you want an actual sponsor? Oh, I would love to have a sponsor right I've, for the podcast, the network, the TV show, uh, my personal adventures. I would love to have a sponsor, but. As if you're talking specifically about a television show, every time I talk about that, my my really close friends tell me, Max, that's way outside. That's so far outside your comfort zone. Even you would be uncomfortable there. Yeah, because I'm kind of known for being comfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I don't generally I generally do things and worry about them later, which I'm told is rather unusual. It is. I want to say in the scheme of everything, that is a bit unusual. Because most yeah. most of us humans are very cautious. We don't just, um, for lack of better words, blindly walk into a um, in a situation. Yeah, uh, I saw a post of Dave Jackson, the the legend of the podcast industry. Today, it said something about the 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 stages of a podcast launch are are uh, plan, prepare, uh, launch, grow, and monetize. Too many people are skipping the part where you grow your podcast first, and I. Reply. I said, I said, okay, Dave, I thought you were going to say people like me forget the planning stage and we just start recording. <laughs> I think that one's again more optional. There's a little asterisk there. We can skip that one. Yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I just, I'm just, you know, I, I tell people that I, I spent 15 years dragging a eight ride carnival around the country. I've been in a lot of situations that, you know, at the time we're like, how the heck are we going to get out of this one this time? And we always somehow manage to find a way. And so I, I think that that's why I'm a lot less hesitant to do things that are scary to other people and that even make me nervous. I just, you know, basically I've got I've got this muscle memory or this mental memory where it's like, eh, even if the worst happens, what's the worst? You know, what? Um, even if the worst happens, as long as it doesn't result in physical injury or death, you still have the opportunity for it to be a good experience or at least hundred percent, you know, that's kind of what I've learned. So I, now I do have a list of things I don't think I will ever do. And I hesitate to say won't do because that might talk somebody into thinking they can talk me into it. So (laughs) I'm not interested in skydiving, swimming with sharks or whitewater rafting above anything that, that, um, that people have to, you know, give me, uh, instructions on what I do if I find myself under the water without the boat paddle or life jacket. You know, I, uh, I do not want, I do not have a desire to do things that are physically risky. I do a lot of stuff online. And in fact, I've been working with a, a lady from Vancouver, Canada. She's the first homegrown podcast host on the What's Your Excuse podcast network, which I started back in January of last year. Her, her name is Emily Trepanier, and she is a blind downhill snowboard racer. And she basically flies down hills, depending on the audio instructions from from spotters who tell her when to turn and how far to turn. And, you know, literally there's fences and trees and cliffs and also gates they have to navigate. So I say that she's the outdoor adventurer on the network and I'm the indoor adventurer. I was going to say, I... I can see, but even with my ability to see, I don't trust myself going downhill <laughs> like that. Is she trusting her life with these people? Oh man, yeah, yeah. It, that's crazy. You could truly do anything you want to do. Yeah, it's all. It all depends on what are you willing to do. You know, we we used to have an expression when we had the carnival because 
you know, in a carnival, the most important thing is getting open. No matter how you do it, no matter how you look doing it. Uh, I used to say that they they won't give you style points, so stop trying to win them. But if any way you could make opening so that people could buy their funnel cake and ride the Ferris wheel, that's all you worked on all week. So there were more than a few times me and my dad would get to town with the last piece of equipment and the help would go, how did y'all do that? And my dad would always just look at him and grin and he would say, what, did we have a choice? That's very true. You know, it's like you can do a lot of things if you can, if you can get yourself to the point where you feel like that you don't have a choice, you know, and that's nothing new. The problem is it's very difficult to get yourself there. Most people not having a choice involves hitting rock bottom or, you know, having it getting to that point where you just feel like you don't have anything left to lose anymore. So why not? You know, it's difficult to talk yourself to that point of, of, uh, of not having, you know, of, of, uh, you know, of not having a choice. Uh, but like I say, I've got a lot of experience. I like to, the one reason I like to share some of that stuff with people is I don't want them thinking that I'm unusual, that I'm unique, that I've done anything that they can't do. It's just that I have a lot of practice doing it badly and recovering from mistakes. Yeah. That's, that's more key than anything else. Really. It, it really is. is. If you fell, how quickly can you get up from it? Yep. And can you find something positive in the the whole experience? You know, because yes. Some of uh some of my best blog posts and podcast episodes have to do with things that started off bad but ended well, or things that went horribly wrong, but I was able to find something positive in them. And that's kind of led me to an understanding, which is if you want to be positive and stay positive and find the good things in your life. You have to approach it like anything else that's missing. You have to say to yourself, I know it's here somewhere, and I'm just going to keep looking for it until I find it. And if I can't find it on my own, I'm going to ask the friends or the family or my social media connections to help me look. And as a result, you know, I'm a guy who once sold a quarter of a million dollar carousel and didn't get paid his $25,000 commission. And I was able to find the positive in that because even though I didn't get paid, man, the, the, Improvement it made in my business, putting my name on the map as somebody who could find a buyer for a piece of equipment that maybe only a few people in the whole world would have a use for, and to have done it in 30 minutes and to actually have the sale completed and the ride delivered from uh, Vermont to Sydney, Australia, and on, on location and working within two months of the first, the first inquiry, you know, I was able to say, yeah, I didn't get paid, but I've arrived, you know? Right. Uh, so those are the kind of things you have to do when you have when you have those bad moments, you have to sit down. Sometimes you have to make a physical list of what are the positives that have come out of this or that can come out of this. Very true. No, that's very yeah. true. Like a lot of things for me, um, as I've been doing like the show and I'm teaching myself how to trade. And that is the biggest one I've noticed is like just write down the wins, even if it's really small. And if if anyone looking will be like, oh, that's a that's a loss. It's like, well, no, for me, it's a win, though. And, and hold those tight. All depends on what you learn from the loss as to whether or not it's a win. Uh, right. Yeah. And I, I've actually been thinking about this a lot. I think that so that the, the people who talk about using a vision board, and there are a lot of people who've talked about it, this a concept very familiar to, to many people who have ever done any reading in the self-help arena. I think that one of the more important parts that they miss with the vision board 
is a vision board really needs a gratitude border. You know, it yes. really needs it really needs pictures and you writing down your accomplishments to go right beside those things that you're still trying to accomplish. A hundred percent. No, I'm sorry. I didn't, I thought you were going to keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, I it, tend to, I tend to run on. So I'm not surprised that I, that I, that I steered you wrong there. Well, no, 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 no. I love it. That's right. I'm listening, but it's just one of those, the way you were <laughs> cadence. I'm like, Oh, he's going to keep going. And it stops. I'm like, uh, Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, as a as a podcast host, we all love those guys or girls, uh, women who, you know, you can basically ask them three questions and your time is up. <laughs> I've had one too many of those. I had a, a Canadian bodybuilder, a female Canadian bodybuilder come on. I literally got three questions in and she talked 90% of the time. And I'm just sitting, I got completely steamrolled, but I'm like, you know what, whatever, <laughs> let it go. Yeah, well, see, that's when you can just sit back and listen and soak it all up and see what you can learn from them. I mean, I, I have, I've one of the reasons why I didn't do a, a podcast sooner was I was concerned I wouldn't be able to be in the moment and practice the mindfulness that I believe is important to good conversations and manage the technical stuff that goes along with being recorded and having a podcast. So. Uh, one of the things I've noticed lately that I've been really surprised and actually kind of proud of myself is I don't like to use a watch or a clock or a timer to keep track of how long I've been talking to somebody, but I'm really getting good at uh, having a clock in my head to know when we're getting close to the, the 45 to 55 minute range, which is where I like to end up before I do my outro. So that's one of those things that because I don't use a lot of technology, my, you know, my, my mental thing has managed to make up for it. But I tell you, uh, I, there are some days when I'm like, I really wish I had a Braille watch on my wrist right now. But, then, <laughs> but that's only like when you get one of those guests who you ask them a question and, and you get one word or one sentence answers and you're like, please, when will this be over? That's sadly way too common and people don't realize it. I've had, um, at least 15 people do that to me. I've learned to like get it more of like a joke and get my, like, Oh, ha let's go here. Kind of thing. And like pause the awkward, but yeah, that's when I'm sitting there looking at my uh, little clock in the corner of the screen going, dear God, what is it's only 10 minutes in. Yeah. Well, what I've found works there is, is to find something that I personally want to know the answer to. And then uh, starting with that one question and just and just working through their answer on that, I find that that works really good because if I'm invested in the answer, then I'm a lot less likely to let them palm me off with just a one word or one sentence answer. And I actually started applying that to the beginning of my podcast because I realized that I'm not as good in the first 20 minutes as I am the rest of or the rest of the conversations, or at least it didn't used to be that way, but a good friend of mine said, you know, Max, why don't you think of something that, that Max wants to know and ask your guest that question and uh, and go from there. And it, it really has helped a lot. I, I agree with you. If you can have fun with it. In fact, if you're not having fun doing your podcast, you're doing it wrong or, you know, because it, this really should be an, an enjoyable process. You really should be either learning information, uh, being entertained or being inspired and I say, if you don't learn something new or relearn something important that you forgot about, by the time you finish talking to somebody for a podcast, you are also doing it wrong. 
100 percent. that's actually kind of like i wanted to start the podcast out of principle like back in 2016 and 17 when like it was still kind of fringe and you lay like the only podcaster name was joe rogan back then now it's like there's hundreds of thousands of podcasters are name brand but um but yeah that was the one thing i just remember like joe rogan off handily saying once um just saying, oh, he's like, I don't do this for the money. I don't do this for whatever. He's like, I do it because it's fun for me. And yes, the money's a nice bonus. Right. Well, that's the way you have to look at it. And uh, I've also extended that to being a podcast guest because, you know, a lot of people, they do podcasting or they do interviews because they are currently under pressure trying to grow their brand and trying to make money from their work. And they want to do it right away. So when they do conversations or when they host their podcast, they don't enjoy it. They don't have fun. They don't focus on the person they're speaking with or actually become an active part of the conversation. They're just creating content so that they can sell affiliate products or get a sponsor or maybe do AdSense or something. You know, that's they're so focused on the end result that they need to have because Quite often, people only come to blogging or podcasting or creating courses at a moment where they really need the money. And it That's is at the different... wrong time to do it. It certainly is. Yes. Yeah. So, so this, is a, this is one of those things. It takes a while to get going. It takes a while to build up an audience. It takes a while to build an audience that will start uh, sharing your content with other people and uh, wanting to purchase the things that you sell, whether that be a physical product or uh, intellectual product or coaching or any of those sorts of things. So it, and it has to be a continuous thing. You know, when I had gastric surgery in 2012, one of the things that the doctors at the clinic I went to kept expressing to me is this is not something you do and you're done with it. Once you do this, it's something that you should expect to do for the rest of your life. Now, mm-hmm. podcasting isn't a rest of the life th- kind of thing, but once you start it, you know, it's not like you can get to a point where you've built your brand to where you really no longer need to show or really no longer need to be doing interviews. So, you know, it's one of those things, once you start it, really, it's great if you do enjoy it, because the only way this is going to work for you long term is to just keep doing it. And, you know, in fact, the numbers show us that the people who start out really well prepared and really polished don't last, whereas the people who just start get better as they go, enjoy the process and let people see them as they're learning tend to tend to last and survive and end up becoming successful podcasters. Not all oh, of those. Oh, hundred percent. That I've noticed that for me when I podcast um, is like a lot of people now are asking me, if, like I actually have a group call tomorrow um, for a couple of people that want to pick my brain. I just, I tell them, I'm like, I've only done this a year. Like <laughs> I'm like, I, I guess I, I have a lot done, but I've only technically done this a year in podcasting. That's still a baby show. I'm like, when I've done this three years, then we could talk kind of thing. But they're like, but you're successful. You've done 170. You've only gotten better with each interview. What's your secret sauce? I'm like, I'm just too stubborn to admit defeat. That's literally my secret sauce. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just tell people I haven't figured, I haven't learned how to quit yet. You know, yeah, same um, thing. Just too stubborn to quit. You know, um, it's interesting because, you know, you've published more episodes, but I think I've been doing this longer and people aren't beating down my door wanting me to do group calls with them to tell them about podcasting. So although I did recently get invited to write an article for the, the website of the American Printing House for the Blind on on starting a podcast, and I basically approached it from that point of view of 
that a podcast doesn't have to be expensive or complicated and they work best if you if you start where you are and grow as your audience grows, as your skills grow, as your budget grows, and try to make it as simple as possible to eliminate the overwhelm that causes a lot of people not to want to start a podcast. And oh, so that yeah. so that was nice. But you know, I I feel like one of the one of the real disservices a lot of podcasters are doing is always talking about hardware, always talking about editing, always talking about a lot of this stuff that is really going to scare the beginners off. And some of those beginners could have ended up being really amazing podcasters. And that's literally what I tell people. I'm like, I first started this show off with a $50 blue snowball. Now, like <laughs> now I have a blue Yeti, but I'm like, uh, I started off with a $50 blue snowball. I'm like, it doesn't take fancy equipment. You don't need the sheer M seven V whatever the heck it is now that Joe Rogan uses. And all this $10,000 worth of equipment, just, just get a USB mic. You're good to go. I have a stand because out of principle. Yeah. Well, eight plus years later, I'm still using whatever the whatever the latest decent priced head, uh, headset is. And I use a headset for two reasons. One, I have yet to figure out how to manage the audio controls if the microphone and the, and the headphones are, are on different channels. I end up with recordings where where me and the guest are at different audio levels, and that's not fun for anybody. And of course, the other thing is, is I have technology that tries to talk to me, and sometimes I have to I have to hear what it has to say. So I really kind of I really kind of have to go with the headset. But I've never paid more than forty dollars for one, and they usually last two three years before I have to get the next one. And in fact, the only problem I've ever had with using these cheap headsets is sometimes the the new ones that they make. Um, in order to control the volume, you have to be able to see the device. You have to be able to look at the headset to know what you're doing to it. So every once in a while, I get a headset I can't use because I can't manage the controls on it. But for the most part, I've used you know cheap headsets. I use when I do have to edit, which is very rarely because I don't do it. I don't like doing it. Me neither. Uh, I use QuickTime. I use QuickTime Pro. You know, if there's something really awful, I have to get rid of. That's what I use for my editing. I record with uh, Zoom using, you know, their basic audio recording. I record to the cloud, not to my laptop. Which everybody who hears me say that is like, Max, how can you do that? You're getting horrible audio quality. And my response is, it's mono audio. It is not stereo. I'm not doing sound effects. I don't have an orchestra or a band, so. <laughs> Yet. You know, so it really doesn't matter in the as in the effect of how it, of how it uh, comes across to the listener. So I I'm fine with that. Like I said, I don't edit. Uh, I pretty much upload whatever gets down on the audio. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I, I tend to focus more on the conversations and trying to get my guests to share things that they haven't shared before in a way they haven't shared before. And I really enjoy it when the guests will you know, we'll go into an area that we haven't, that I haven't heard them talk about before. So that's, that's what I focus on. Um, and as far as the video, because I, I do record video and audio and I post a video to YouTube for a long time. I used the camera on the laptop, not knowing how horrible of a camera angle that was and how disconcerting it is to look up somebody's nose while you're watching them on YouTube. And then eventually, uh, at, also in the beginning, the only lighting I had was the ceiling fan over my head, which you know everybody everybody knows that that gives you the effect that your head is severed from your body. So it's <laughs> only been 
it's only been in the last, you know, like year that we've added an external camera that we've put in a, a front facing LED light, you know, doing some of the things. But that didn't stop me from growing an audience. A lot of people continued to watch and listen. Either they didn't notice the problems or they chose to uh, pay more attention to the content than they did to the way it was being delivered. And that's the biggest one I've noticed because um, actually the guy I'm going to help Saturday, he's more of a YouTuber than anything else. And he's worried about video quality, this and that. I'm like, said, some of the best stuff I've learned is a guy with a really old smartphone that has the 4080p filming, <laughs> um, really grainy. And um, like, honestly, it was his knowledge. I could overlook that his angles were wrong. His lighting was wrong. The camera was shaky, but his knowledge was solid. That was the only reason I stayed. Yeah. I said, so don't worry about that small stuff. Eventually, when you get the money, you can fix things here and there. But I'm like, just do it. That's People are more interested in the hero's journey than the destination itself. This is true. Um, the story of the Lord of the Rings was one of the biggest selling stories long before it was long before it was available in movie form. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and the thing is, a lot of times these things that really don't matter to people only end up mattering to other podcasters. It really is. I like know? for me, I have um, a gimbal for my phone. I film every so often. And for me, I have very shaky hands. So watching a camera shake pisses me off. <laughs> and so I bought a gimbal for like a hundred dollars, but like, honestly, people have said like, since you use your, your gimbal, yes, your content's more smooth and clean, but you're not authentic to yourself. And I'm like, damn it. You just want me to sit there and just shake the camera then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know as you're talking about youtube i just realized something else i wish more people would do or at least talk about the option to do this you said your the friend you're going to talk to this weekend is a youtuber Correct. okay i wish a lot of the people who i talk to about starting a podcast podcast would think wait a minute i have already done 30 episodes or 50 episodes or 200 episodes on youtube how much of that content can I repurpose in the form of audio and shoot it out to the podcast player and fill up the, you know, fill up the back to where people, when they visit my podcast the first time, they'll have a whole bunch of stuff oh, to listen to. I, I advocate that's a Gary Vaynerchuk trick right there. Take all content, repurpose it for everything. Yes. But the question is why do more people not talk about it? You know, it's like, it's like there's something wrong with a YouTuber taking their content and moving it over to the podcast. I don't understand why that is. Some I, of them that like go for four hours, I tell them like, can you just put out a podcast so I can put my headphones in? Cause I can't sit there <laughs> with my phone on for four hours and watch this. Or yeah. So it's, it, sorry, you go. Yeah, it's, it is, it is interesting. Some of the things that get into people's heads and, but it seems like every time I suggest that to somebody, it's like they've never thought of that idea before. So same. I'm going to keep claiming it as mine. Do it. That's the same for me. Uh, this one guy, um, well, you would know this. Uh, he was, um, essentially, he does live stream podcasts on YouTube. Nothing wrong with it, specifically in music. And he's gotten some high profile guests on. And that's where I told him, I said, what you need to do, though, because he said, I play some music before they join. And immediately my heart dropped. And I'm like, how much and how long? <laughs> and, I, and he's like, oh, I play three songs full length. I'm like, you are encroaching on some massive, <clears throat> uh, very legalistic and expensive territory. I would stop that immediately. He's like, but they won't know who that person is. I said, that <clears throat> doesn't really matter. Play a 15 second clip kind of thing. They'll get well, a gist. Here's what I don't, 
here's what I don't understand about that. I wonder, I don't understand why YouTube hasn't slapped him upside the head because, you He's know, still very it, small, even so <clears throat> they've got some very expensive technology on the back end to find stuff like that when it happens. And I just wonder why <clears throat> now I do something and eventually it's probably going to get me in trouble. And I had a coach tell me just the other day that I'm asking for a lawsuit and that some, you know, that I may end up being in a situation where I have to have a GoFundMe campaign, but you know, I, I have covered other people's songs on my YouTube channel and I sing on the beginning and, and end of my own podcast. And you know, someday it may get me in trouble, but I've, I would say at that point though, it's a good trouble because that means you're being successful. Now, see, you're one of the few people that agrees with me on that here lately. I, I started saying this as a joke and it worked fine until somebody got f- upset because they were thinking of this seriously. I said, you know, my favorite song is the river by Garth Brooks. It's pretty much my theme song until I write my own theme song. But for now it's the song I go to whenever I want to sing on a podcast or speaking or whatever. I said, I said, yeah, I'm waiting for the day when I get one of those cease and desist letters from Garth Brooks. Then I'll be famous. And that's and, literally oh, so many mentors have told me that in my my and even on the podcast, they're like, you haven't made it until two things happen. You have a group of haters following you around everywhere, <coughs> talking shit about you all the time, and you get a lawsuit. If you get those two, you are successful. Well, I must be doing it wrong because I've been singing Garth Brooks music for six years now. And, and Maybe either, they appreciate either, it. Huh? It could be that they actually appreciate it. And well, they're not they would it. tell me. Seriously. Me Guys, hey. Garth Brooks, uh, wherever time in the future, tell this man that you appreciate it. Unless you're dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, ghost text him in a minute. <laughs> I appreciate it. That is really good. Yeah, I, I actually, um, whenever I've recorded his music, I've posted it directly to their pages. But so far, it's like nobody notices or nobody cares or both. I mean, I, I uh, think it's more doesn't care. They probably notice but they didn't care enough to do anything. Right. Well, um, you know, if I, if I, I'm I'm sure that it's one of those things. um, It'll probably be one of those things where it won't matter to anybody until I'm about ready to go speak somewhere where there's going to be, you know, several thousand people or something. And then I'll get the, I'll get the notice probably be one of those things, but, (laughs) but yeah, I, I've, I've been saying that. And so far it hasn't happened. I've been saying, yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking for Garth Brooks to take notice because he's either going to tell people I'm really good or he's going to send me a cease and desist letter. Either way, I'll be famous. Or it could be both, which is a double compliment. Yeah, I I don't know that I want to go all the way in and get a restraining order against me or nothing. But I, mean, <laughs> I, I I did reach out to their people to to get to see if he would come on my podcast, but I do that with lots of people. But the and and I actually reached out to his webmaster too because. He's got one of those websites that has the automated accessibility plugin on it. Okay. And it is it is just awful. I mean, it is, it makes whatever plugin he's using, there's some good, there are some good automated accessibility plugins on the web, but whatever one he's using just makes everything worse. So I even wrote the webmaster and I told him, I said, you know, I'm not one of these blind people that's going to sue you, but there are some who will, and you might want to do something about this, you know. Well, the- so actually, because you do, you're by the way, the message you first sent me on my site did go through. Was do I? Do you think I need a uh, an accessibility widget? I would have to look at your site more. Um, I, I, I visit so many sites, I'd have to actually go back to your site and look. But I would say the main thing is is and here's 
here's what I tell people when, you know, their courses, their TED Talks, their WordCamp Talks on accessibility. To me, when it comes to, the, to a website, the same thing that works for most successful websites for the general audience works, in my opinion, for visual accessibility, which is keep the website simple, make it easy to understand what it is you do and why it is I want to be here. Um, try to keep the number of links, pages, images, whatever, uh, on the, to, the, to the smaller side on any one page so that those of us who are navigating with a screen reader or using screen magnification can actually uh, navigate what's there and not get lost between the top left corner and the bottom right corner. So that's, those are some of my feelings about accessibility. I think that, you know, if you have the wherewithal to make your screen change colors or make your screen text get larger or smaller, that's fine. But I think the most important thing is keep the website simple, make it easy to navigate regardless of who's visiting and more often than not, you're going to be okay on the accessibility front. One other thing I'd like to mention that has nothing to do with accessibility is if your website is to help your business, don't make me have to track your butt down on YouTube or some other social media platform <laughs> to find a way to contact you. That was a, the, the interface the guy did. It, it's intuitive. It's simple. It's, um, yeah, I've added a few extra slots like the the contact me slot that wasn't there when he built it but yeah it's literally just a menu bar like the yeah. six pop-up yeah and then um it just it's literally audio and um buttons like little slabs going down so okay yeah that sounds good that sounds good i'll have to give it a check later but um my website i recently changed some of my pages because i thought they had too much text on them and too much stuff on them so it's one of those things you know you kind of have to just check on regularly, but the, the basic, the best thing is keep the website simple. Oh yeah. Try to avoid anything that requires a blind person to do a mouse click. Oh, oh okay. Because, because in order, <laughs> it, here's the way it works in order to use a, in order to use a screen reader, they have to reroute some of the keys so that you can, so the computer knows when you're talking to the screen reader and when you're talking to the computer. And one of the ways they do that is by pretty much eliminating the mouse button. So then like the recapture, like the type, the text you see here, but then there's the ones that are all grainy and shit that even I, that can see is like, what is this? Yeah. But you know, you can make that work for you. Now, um, a couple months back, I was wanting to pitch myself as a speaker to the international association of amusement parks and attractions uh, conference in November. And I couldn't access the CAPTCHA in order to submit my application. So I found it. I found an email address for the guy in charge of the pitches. I reached out to him. He apologized. We had a great conversation. I, I wouldn't say that we're friends because he's a big dog and I'm a nobody in the amusement world. But, uh, but we had some great emails. And so sometimes you just use that to your advantage. You say, you know, I, I'm having trouble with your website. Could we talk about it? Or what, what, what works even better is, when I visit somebody's website and I haven't had any trouble yet, I, I reach out to them and I go, hey, uh, visually impaired computer user visiting your site, uh, you, what your, your product or your service sounds like something I could really use. Uh, so far, I haven't any problems with it, but if I do, um, you know, I, I hope that y'all will be available so we can we can take care of it, something along those lines. And, you know, I've made some really good friendships by reaching out to the webmasters and the technical support people at places even though I didn't have a problem yet. Oh yeah. That's the biggest one for me. Like I've learned is um, 
especially like this, like if just a simple interaction, just once you've done it long enough and we've established, just ask for like an email or a phone number and just yeah. say, Hey, I'd like to keep in contact with you after this. And it's like, I hate to lose a good potential friendship. And yeah. people, it's one of those people now remember me. I like just actually reached out to a guy like I talked to eight months ago. And I just say, hey, I just remembered this is your number. How are you doing? And he's like, oh, shit. So, yeah, yeah. I need to do more of that because I have these great conversations. And the problem is, is I don't have a system in place for keeping track of who I talked to and, and what we talked about or how, you know, what kind of what kind of rapport we had. So um, uh, first, I've got to build a system and then I got to hire somebody to go back through all those. Uh, and what, <laughs> When I say this number, your your audience should know. I'm not saying this for exaggeration purposes. This is probably an underestimate, if anything. So if I, once I figure out a system, then I'll need to hire somebody to go back through the 300 plus podcast interviews I've done. That's not bad. Yeah, I'm just I saying that's 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 a number I'm willing to say out loud. It could be a lot worse than that, or better. I guess depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Um, no, I would actually. I'd consider. It'd be one of those I'd consider. I don't know how you would approach it. And uh, it's like a virtual assistant in the Philippines. Well, see, that's okay. Here's my here's my take on that. I love that idea. You know, okay. the Philippines, uh, South America, or excuse me, the Philippines, Africa, India. You know, I love the idea in general. But here's my problem with it as a blind person. In order to find these people, I've got to go on websites with thousands of these people and try to figure out which one of these people I should trust to spend my money on. So it's a it's a real difficult thing to do as a visually impaired person, partly because a lot of times you can really only tell who you want to hire or who you want to read more about from the images or from their uh, their headlines. And, and the other thing is with a screen reader, it takes me longer to navigate to things I want to get to. So each extra person that I want to look into is it's a lot of time invested to figure out who to hire before I even get to the part of hiring them and explaining to them what I want them to do. So that's, that's the reason why I have yet to take advantage of Fiverr or Upworks. But here's the way I look at that. If somebody I know is willing to say, hey, Max, here's somebody I've used, you should use them. Then I'll have a conversation with that third person because I don't have to go searching through the huge jungle that is Fiverr Upworks. So, okay, let me ask you this way, because I've had a few people on my show, but they they charge extra for um, training and all that. But uh, if, let's say, could you swing 500 a month? <laughs> that's that's no. like the lowest I could think of for one of them. Well, that's, that's a, I'm not going to, that's a, okay. That's a, uh, I don't have a problem with the figure. I just don't have that money in my piggy bank right now. I, <laughs> Me neither. No, I have some, I, I have some, I have some grant applications out and, you know, I've, I've got some contest entries out, but you know, right now, if I had to pay an extra 50 bucks a month, it might be hard. So, okay. But you know, but that's, but the, the, the other thing that, you know, that I try to put out into the world is if I were to find somebody who could do that kind of job who say, for example, uh, wanted to get booked on podcasts or wanted some help starting a podcast. If there's something I am good at that, you know, I could get where I could use that to cover part of their services. That's something I'm hoping will happen down the road. You know, it's, but at this point I just do my best. I, uh, my inbox is full of a bunch of emails that people have sent me because as long as they're in my inbox, they kind of have some of my attention. 
Right. You know, uh, but it's, I think most people understand that I have good intentions. I've had a lot of great conversations and many of the hosts from the, from the day or two after we finish recording, we continue to keep in touch, but I just, I just feel like I, there are a lot of people I need to get back in touch with and show my appreciation by continuing the, the friendship through email or messages or phone calls. So I need to do better at it. And, you know, I, I, it's and that's actually a great thing to, to bring up because it's a reminder to people who are listening to this that uh, that Max may look pretty well put together, but there are some areas in his life he has got absolutely no clue. <laughs> I want to say though, but the, the how thorough you were, um, I say you, you you got this. It's it's the just give it time and you'll figure it out. I probably will. It's just a matter of uh, the hard part is coming up with a system that I that is easy for me to use, and so far. Um, I'm having difficulty with uh, Google Sheets and with Excel. I'm hoping to get some training on Excel soon from the state of Texas to where maybe I can figure out how it is. Um, because I, I think that that would work. The only problem is I can't figure out how to create um, sheet templates. I can only figure out how to create book templates. And that's probably more information than anybody listening wants to know. But <laughs> basically, every time I create a new file, I have to write all the stuff in again because I ain't figured out how to automate that part. But um, but even then, you know, once I do that, then I have to, I have to become good at searching for that information. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at maybe creating an email, not a list because that implies I'm going to spam people, but maybe a, uh, a group, a group in my email directory just for podcast, uh, hosts that I've spoken with. So at least, at least if I don't have something formalized, at least I've got, all those addresses in, in one place. And if I'm thinking, Hey, I should check with so-and-so, then I don't have to dig through a whole bunch of emails or, or possibly go search for their show online to, to send them a message. So that. I was like, but what email provider do you use? Well, see, that's the thing. Um, I, again, I'm not a high tech person, so I'm not with a Weber or MailChimp or constant contact. I'm with mad Mimi. Okay. And, and that's and they don't offer a lot of the segmentation of emails where, you know, it can help you uh, send emails based on, you know, gender or other demographics. I don't have that. I don't, I don't have that option to me. But what it does, what Mad Mimi does for me is it gives me a very simple email interface that allows me to create a message for my list without having to spend hours trying to make all the make all the bells ring and all the whistles blow on one of the other pro- programs. Yeah. I, I tried to get into MailChimp and that was one of those. I really sat there and was like, do I just pay someone a hundred bucks to build this? <laughs> Cause I'm like, this is going to take me too long to figure out. Yeah. See, that's like I said, that's why I'm with mad Mimi and uh, they don't offer an affiliate program and they're not sponsoring my podcast. So I'm not getting paid nothing, but um I love that I can send them an email any hour of the day or night and they will, they will help me fix my problem. I also love that now that they know that I'm visually impaired, that they don't do like most companies and send me an email saying, well, here's where you go to find the answer. Uh, just go and read this resource and you'll understand it. No, they'll, they'll send me emails and tell me, okay, this is what you need to do. And then if I try it, get back to them a while later, and I still ain't figured it out. They'll go, okay, would you like us to do it for you? And so that is really cool. That is cool. Now that yeah. is really cool. I yeah. I used a, a CRM uh, called Kartra. Yeah, I've heard about Kartra, and uh, I, I, have I, yet, 
I have yet to find a CRM program period that's accessible. And and that's one of them for me. I, I built out the whole back end and everything. I was trying to build out a whole coaching thing. That's why I have this call. Uh, Saturday was going to be a coaching call, but I told the guy, I'm like, oh, wait, no, never mind. Canadian taxes is going to be a nightmare. You get it free kind of thing. <laughs> um, but it was just one of those. Uh, I built out CarShop. And I kept emailing them and they're thorough customer support. They're all about the customer experience and uh, customer interface or whatever weird BS jargon they're going for. But um, they kept giving me a copy and paste reply. And finally, I told one of the guys, I'm like, this is really annoying because I know you're giving a copy and replace reply. I'm like, what is going wrong? And that's where actually the guy read through my file and he's like, oh, my God. Like they literally didn't even look at your file. Like he's like, do X, Y, and Z. If that doesn't work, um, it is completely broken on our end and we can't fix it. And if it is, tell me and I will immediately refund your um, money. So I did his steps, exactly what he said. It didn't work. And I said, it's not working. So they refunded me my money. But yeah, it was just like yours um, where the visual people, they're like, oh, just read this. We don't want to deal with you. But they know you, so they're like, oh, we, we actually have to explain it now. Yeah, um, and in the early days of HostGator, they were really good about it. But here lately, I have to be, I have to be kind of a, uh, almost, a, almost aggressive with their customer support now, people nowadays to get them to actually do stuff for me. But you got to threaten like, things that you don't want to no, threaten. No, 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 I don't have to threaten. I just have to basically, you know, put a little, put a little, a little growl in my voice, you know, I have to, you know, you're I such to, a gentle giant. Are you putting a growl in your voice. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. And usually it backfires on me, but I, <laughs> I like just have, when, you know, when I call, when I call those people up, I just have to have it in my mind straight. Okay. No matter what they tell you, there is absolutely no reason they can't do this for you. And if they tell you they can't, you need to talk to somebody else. And, and for some reason, as long as I have, as long as I take that attitude before I press send on my phone, I, I almost always get somebody who will do it for me. But I mean, there's there's some things that are very simple, regardless of what hosting platform you're using, but they can be very difficult if you're using, if you're using a screen reader and you're not really a tech person, which I am not. Um, and a couple are like when you when you enter the thing on a new website to make to have the uh, the HTTP, the HTTPS take effect where your site becomes secured. That's a small thing, but it's hard if you're doing it with a screen reader. Um, actually activating and uh, starting a WordPress uh, website under a new domain name is a pain in the butt with a screen reader. So those are just a couple of things I just call HostGator. Look, I got a new website and we need to do this. And they do it for me, thank goodness. So that's, and that's another reason why I stay with HostGator, even though people tell me there are, there are better and cheaper services out there. I'm like, as long as they keep making my life easier than it could be, as yeah. long as they don't raise the prices too much, I'm, I'm going to stay with them. Yeah, exactly. Too much. Um, but I'll tell you what's really been cool. And I didn't, I didn't really appreciate this till recently is I have a multi-user account, which means I can have up to uh, up to, I think it's 10 websites on the account and then up to a certain amount of bandwidth used a month. Nice. And, That's very nice. Yes, and I'm paying uh, twelve seventy five. And the thing about that's, it is, that's cheap. And the thing about this plan is, as I've started this podcast network, I have some people who are visually impaired or have other disabilities that are on a budget just like I am. And so, if they had to pay for website hosting and podcast hosting, 
you know, you're looking at uh, you're looking at probably twenty five to thirty five dollars a month for those two services for somebody yeah. starting a new show that maybe they maybe they won't last three months at. You just never know until you start. So you know, bet- between being able to have access to a multi hoster multi website account and uh, also because uh, Blubbery has um, been gracious enough to sponsor the podcast network and provide free hosting of the podcasts for the shows starting on the network so that, so that if, when people, you know, if I find somebody with a disability that wants to work with me on starting a new podcast, I can start them out from, from the beginning of, you know, these are two bills they don't have to pay to, you know, to get started and find out whether they're going to, whether they're going to be good at it or like it or not. So I'm just curious for you, because you have a podcast network up and running. See, that's one I haven't gotten to yet. I'm just focused on building my audience. How does that work? Are you actually like reaching out, getting sponsorships for your crew, or is it more you're you're managing everything for them? It depends. I like to tell potential hosts that I will meet them where they are and do as much or as little as they need me to. Okay. Uh, I also tell them that there's going to become a point in the very near future where some of the services I'm providing for free are going to come with a cost because we're going to get to the point where Max can no longer do more work or where he has to hire someone to help out. Yes. Yeah. Where, where I have to bring more people on in order to make this thing continue to run. And then at that point, people are going to have to contribute or invest depending on which words you like better. So that's, that's what I tell them as far as the network. Here's, here's the way I am doing it. My main focus is still my podcast. And as an example, this last week I did five shows in five days to promote mobility matters um, I'm coming out with a new show at least once a week. And my focus has transitioned just a little bit to be more about people with disabilities instead of people, instead of about people who have generally overcome adversity, uh, simply because I feel like that's a better fit for my podcast as part of the What's Your Excuse Network, which is all about people who have disabilities or people who want to support those with disabilities. So that and I'm really starting to find some awesome people who make me think, you know, Max, you're not really doing much in your life compared to some of your guests lately. <laughs> uh, but then I remind myself, comparison doesn't help anybody, and I do the next show. So that's so that's the main thing is I keep recording my podcast. As for the network, I am having conversations on a regular basis with people about starting new shows. As you know, as a coach. We, can, we have a lot more exploratory calls than we have actual coaching clients or, in my case, actual podcast owners. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So I'm having a lot of fun exploratory calls, but so far I've only launched one new podcast this year, and it actually started last year. So I've, I have a few people who have expressed interest, and I've given them their homework. And so far, every single one of them, their dog has ate their homework, if you know what I mean. Oh, 100%. Uh, that's the so, guy for me tomorrow is like he started it and like i said he's playing copyrighted music the main thing i told him was dude you can't do if you play three of my episodes before you even introduced me i'd be pissed because they're an hour each and that's, that's the same feeling for them even though it was like three five minutes you're playing the same thing they hear every every day yeah and it's like the hmm? question i the question i'd have to ask myself is how does he keep getting top-rated guests if they know that he's playing all this other stuff before he gets to their part of the podcast episode? So here's the thing. And it was smart for him, and I applauded him for it too. He he got um like 
not Tina Fey, but someone like of Tina Fey's caliber um, from like the 60s on. That was his first guest. And she and it was just one of those. Then he'd say, oh, I like so and so I got whoever will say Tina Fey. It's not her Tina Fey on. Would you like to join my show? And then <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, well, you got Tina Fey. We'll come. So then he'll say, oh, I got Tina Fey and Kevin Bacon. Do you want to join my show? And I told him, I applaud you. That's genius. But you might want to stop using that now because you're now known as the guy that just uses all his guests to get more guests. But I said, okay. but that was genius. Now you have yeah. a reputation. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your previous question, my podcast, helping people launch. And also we're encouraging people to, uh, to post their show to the network using their RSS feed. So that more people will find the existing podcasts alongside the work we're doing to promote the new podcast. So that's, that's the network. And then I was just thinking about, you know, you said this guy mentioned having a famous guest. Well, I had John Lee Dumas on my show, which oh, sadly, okay. which sadly did not do a lot for my downloads. And and uh, for, and I think it's I I honestly think the reason that show hasn't done more is because John Lee Dumas has a hard and fast rule that he will not talk to you for more than fifteen minutes. And mm-hmm. I did a great job. I was amazing because you know I'm not good with brevity. Right. I I totally killed it in the fifteen minutes I was talking to him. We covered losing his buddies in uh, combat. We covered uh, having to quit his job because, you know, we, we covered um, being so nervous on his first podcast that he, he was rattling the papers on his desk and his guest that day talked about, uh, talked about canceling. You know, I mean, we covered a lot of stuff that show basically even JLD is, is a human being and he's had to overcome the same stuff the rest of us had, but, People just haven't listened to it. And I think it's partly because John Lee Dumas isn't really the, the the typical person that would come on my podcast. And also, I think that there's something maybe in my demeanor or tone of voice that lets people know when they start listening to that, that this is not the way Max usually does it. And this is not the way Max would have preferred to do it. And I've noticed that, too. A lot of episodes that I have a great time with, they flop. They fail hard. But then the ones I thought I personally failed on are the ones that succeed the best. And it's usually because, and it's just one that I sit there and I'm like, it, well, if I try to emulate failure, it's going to seem like I'm doing it. So now, now I just sit there and I'm like, whatever. Um, the, my latest excuse to myself to make me feel better is like, oh, the, the iOS 14.5, I can't see my downloads anymore. So I, I have 10,000 downloads. Even look, I don't even check my downloads. I mean, I'm and people are going to think, Max, how can you not check your, your web traffic or your downloads? And and really, for me, it's it's a couple of things. The most important thing is I would check my downloads if I thought downloads really meant what they tell us they mean. No, like I think it's now it's like almost 85 to 90% of all data that you could see as a podcaster is gone. So you only see 10% of the iceberg kind of thing. Well, well, if I see ten percent of the iceberg and it's the size of a football field, and I know the other go the other direction, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, but the other thing is, is I find that a lot of people get lost in their stats. That it becomes a, a rabbit hole that you go down uh, down, and you have to fight really hard to get back out of again. And I also find that stats can be depressing. That even somebody who's doing great work and has a a loyal following. If they're looking at their stats, they could find reasons to be depressed. Oh, 100%. For me, like 
I actually had to like make it a rule. I only check in once a month on my stats just to see, because I, I do about three episodes a week. So it's just like at the end of the month, I'll actually allow myself to scroll through that whole month. And honestly, it's one of those lately, if you say visually, it there's a chart they show me on downloads and it looks like I'm just dying, but I'm like, but it's, I'm stronger than ever kind of thing. So I'm like, that's where I just sit there. My downloads don't count kind of thing. Uh, they don't matter. No, they don't. They really don't. And the other thing that doesn't really matter is audience size, because there really is no way to know if a person is, is, is telling the truth or if they're exaggerating or if they're just straight up lying to you on audience size, because there's no real good ways to find that out. I want to say you pro because being a podcaster and reaching out, you probably gotten this a lot. The, the people that make you to pay to come on. Oh yeah. It's, yeah I they will immediately tell them like, this is a fucking scam. <laughs> Go stick when, it where it doesn't shine. When, whenever somebody spends the first half of their podcast description telling me how many people are listening and how many countries they're being broadcast in Maybe. and how many famous people they've had on, how many, whenever I see those kinds of things in the front half of a podcast description, I'm like, okay, it isn't if they're going to charge me to come on their show, it's how much are they going to charge me? Oh, and, and that's where some of these shows I was offered to come on and it was great. Um, but then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, like, uh, this fee, that fee, it tolls about two grand. I'm like, that is an expensive <laughs> ad. And I don't really know if you're, you actually get a million downloads or not. Cause I could just go make my own show and say, oh, I get a million downloads every day. It's okay. Pay me my two grand. Then what they're yeah. like, well, this is legit. I'm like, take a screenshot of your stats. Show me. And they all and got you know, quiet. You know, that's a good point because you know, if, if, uh, and for people who aren't aware of this. There are more and more websites out there now where you can post your podcast to them and uh, the sponsors say the lower and middle tier sponsors can find your podcast and decide whether. And every single one of those requires a screenshot of your statistics and they require the screenshot to be no older than 30 days in most cases. So right. That is a that is a great example. But the, but the problem for the podcast spots, the podcast owners is it's really hard to get accurate numbers, even before this iOS update where they started hiding the numbers. And now emails uh, are hidden too with iOS 15 coming out soon. Well, I don't know about that. I'm happy that they started hiding my web traffic. I like <laughs> I like that too. I, I like I'm, that I'm, part. I'm I, like, I, like be, I like being able to send email anonymously if I want to too. I think that's really cool as well. Um, as a marketer, it sucks though. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But uh, But yeah, this is... This is the stuff that podcasters deal with. And, you know, with the monitor, you know, the other thing I've been having trouble with is I've been trying to find a, a program that will show me my, my rankings of my podcast that's accessible. And so far I've only found one uh, that is kind of okay. And, and I think it's called pod charts, but yeah. The, okay. But here's the thing that makes no sense. I mean, if you want to talk about a guy who has a good show, because I've, I've been doing this four years, uh, two and a half years ago, I relaunched on Apple with audio after being off audio for a couple of years. I've had 4,000 downloads in the last two and a half years. I routinely average some somewhere between 75 and 125 downloads per new episode. I, in my mind, I'm doing awesome. And you are, yeah. And yet, when I when I get the latest update from Podchart, it shows me that my podcast is not is not ranking in Apple for the U.S. Or Canada or the UK. You know, the only country my podcast ranks in the top couple hundred shows for Philippines is, is Greece. Interesting. I have no clue. 
I have no they, clue. They just like your demeanor. I don't know. Meanwhile, my my podcast host Emily Trepanier, the blind snowboarder, who's the first pod, new podcast on the network. Um, from the beginning, her show has been averaging somewhere between the top ninety five and one fifty for Canada, although she doesn't rank for the U.S. Seriously, like for me, it's the craziest thing. I rank really well in the Philippines area and South America. Oh, and and I'm just sitting here going like, what the heck? Uh, I technically rank in America, but specifically the Texas to Florida to Georgia, like that little triangle there. I might have actually did the Georgia wrong. Yeah, see that, but but that's the thing is I don't have the ability to get that deep down into my into my numbers to be able to see that. So, you know, we've got this list, working list for the podcast network of stuff the network needs to have once it starts making money or starts getting investors or grants or something. And one of the things we need is we need a, we need somebody to do the graphic artwork so that the shows can have actual logos instead of just the photos of the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we need somebody to create merch and submit it to the print on demand companies. You know, we, uh, we need somebody who's capable of doing press releases. And now I realize one of the things we need is somebody who's able to interpret the charts for us. So uh, the podcasters that I feel like are emotionally able to take the news, we can show them exactly where they're doing and, and how well they're doing. Yeah. I'm going to say like for me, uh, teaching myself how to trade, I, I've, I visually study a lot of charts. So as I look at it, I look at it as a trade. And I'm like, oh, this is a tasty opportunity. I would, This is an opportunity I'd be buying in. And every time I do that, it's weird. I want to say you probably have noticed this doing it as long as you have. It seems like there's ebbs and flows with every like the whole show system. Because like there's some quarters off the chart, like tons of number between January and March, let's say. And then March to August. No, so it would be June to August. Nothing. It looks like like nothing has happened, but then suddenly like third quarter off to the moon again. Well, some of that is geographic. Some of that is the weather. Some of that is, (laughs) some of that is, some of that is the fact that people choose to travel during those months and maybe don't listen to as many podcasts when they're on the road as they do when they're at home or at work where, you know, some people have jobs where the only thing keeping them from being a, uh, for being an active shooter statistic is their podcast feed. <laughs> you know, um, my brother works at Walmart at night stocking shelves. So I, I think I understand what I just said there. Okay. No, uh, seriously. I, I, w- I work at a local grocery store too at nighttime and, it is podcasts get me through the night because it's like uh, anything else. I'm, I'd be sitting there like I'm going to cuss out my boss at this point if I don't have my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way it is. So there, the other thing is, is, is depending on what your focus is, the calendar will work for you and against it. For example, people are far more interested in personal development from, say, about Thanksgiving through spring break territory. Mm hmm. Because you have a lot of the people who are wanting to end their their last year well, wanting to start their next year well, uh, wanting to change their bodies and get healthy for the for the vacation and the bikini seasons. Mm-hmm. So you, for personal development people, there's a lot that goes on end of one year, beginning of the next year, and that's that's just nature of the beast. Uh, if your niche is something having to do with a particular sport or outdoor activity, then obviously, unless you're being listened to globally you're not going to have the same traffic in January that you have in July or August. That's just the way it is, you know? Right. So, 
so a lot of that really is just the matter. You look at your niche and you look at the people who are most likely to be interested in your subject matter and then try to figure out what are the times of years that they're not going to be listening automatically. And, and that's this is actually a great subject for us to talk about because you can do this better than I can. Okay. Uh, basically, go back and look at your stats. See where the see where the the down months were, and instead of complaining about it, think, okay, this year we want to plan some special podcast episodes. We want to do some unusual promotion compared to what we did last year at this time. So, um, try to give people additional value as a reason why they should stay subscribed and listening during those months that they usually aren't. That would be my approach to it. Is try to. Try to find something in it that works for you. So if you know in advance it's going to be a lean time, uh, then that's the time maybe to put out a little extra content or some different content. And, you know, I grew up in a family of carnival owners back when the carnival business was not the corporate industry it is today and it was not year round. So uh, in our family, we worked February through November as carnival owners. But from November to through February, we were Christmas tree salespeople, fireworks salespeople, we sold plush toys on the side of the road. We sold roses and uh, and plants and stuff like that for Valentine's Day. So, you know, those are the that couple of three months out of the year, we knew we weren't going to make any money with the carnival. So we knew we had to plan to make money somewhere else. And I think we can apply that to our podcast. So just anticipate the downside down cycles and think, what can I do to make more people listen this time of year? And if you get really lucky and you, you hit on a good idea, if you if you get through those lean times with more listeners, all that's going to do is make the usual height of your podcasting season even better because a lot of those people are going to stay with you into the good time. Oh, 100%. No, I've noticed that too. Um, it's funny. I went to go pull up my website as you're talking and immediately my internet just went, nope, not today. <laughs> well, if it's like my computer and my internet, it won't allow me to go online and be on Zoom at the same time. So I usually mine can, but it was just today. It's just like, nope, not today, Josh. I'm, I'm just I'm, curious, how long do I got you for? For as long as you need me. Okay, so no. See, no. see here's, here's one of the things I choose not to do that a whole bunch of other people do, and, and some coaches get mad at me for this. I'm not going to tell you I'm busy or have appointments if I don't have appointments. Oh, and okay? The same for me. That's my belief, too. You know, so since I, you know, since I allow myself time to go long and to enjoy the conversations, no, I'm good for as long as you need me to be here. And when I get to the point where like, Max, even I'm tired of listening to you now, then we can quit. Okay. <laughs> that no, a deal? Uh, deal. Well, no, for me though, it's just like, I, cause I get so many higher, like intensity people. They're like, their schedules, like wicked tired. That's from my, Oh wait, how long do I got you for? Well, here's so, what, there's another thing I like to think about. Okay. As long as I don't have a really packed schedule, something I don't think I'll ever have because I recently did three 30 minutes back to back. And at the end of that hour and a half, I was like, Max, why the hell did you do it that way? Because you don't enjoy doing it that way. So I've now started putting buffers in my schedule. If I, if I see where I've got two appointments within an hour of each other, I just tell Alexa, Hey, this hour here, I ain't here. I don't care where I'm you down. tell people I am, but I ain't here that hour. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's one I picked up on. Cause I learned the hard way. Um, I got eager and pulled the trigger, bought a membership to whatever this it's called matchmaker.fm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like a hundred bucks a year, but you get some limited messages and that's how I've gotten a lot of my profile, like high profile. But when I first pulled the trigger, it we're in March. So this would have been actually around the time where I way overbooked myself. I had at <laughs> one week, 
for three days straight, I had eight interviews back to back. Wow. I could never do that. I would have, I would have never done that. And in fact, last week, no, two weeks ago now, I had uh, four interviews scheduled in the day. And when I got to within an hour or so of that fourth one, I, I emailed the guy and I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. There ain't no way in heck you want to talk to me at this point in my day. I'm grouchy. So, so could we please reschedule this interview for another day? And he said, sure, absolutely. So uh, it's it's just one of those things you have to know yourself. If you're one of those people who was happy working in a cubicle doing, you know, nine, 10, 12 hour days where none of your time was your own. And it was like, do the next thing, do the next thing. If you're happy with that, then fine. But I'm, I grew up on a carnival midway where basically we, we worked our butts off two or three days out of the week. And the rest of the time we didn't get no hurry. So I try to leave myself extra time to enjoy things. Uh, but Me yeah, I, I like, I like matchmaker and, and I'm, and I like podmatch.com and I like podcastguests.com and radio guests. There are quite a few of these sites to find guests or hosts. But one of the things that I, that I have recently experienced as the host and I've actually had to send this email to more people than I would care to. So I recently did a Facebook and LinkedIn post about it. I've had to write more people than I'd like to on these online services. Look, if you want me to book me, book you, then tell me something about you. Don't just send me the link to your profile and say, Hey, I think you, I think you, I would be good on your show. No, tell me a story. Let me know why it is. I should yeah. even care to go look at your, at your profile or your website. Cause unless you, unless you captivate my interest, I ain't gonna. Well, and that's actually for me, I've never really had that problem. Um, and if I do, and if it's one of those, I'll take the time. If it's an interesting character, like they visually look interesting. So I'll look at it. Then I'll be like, Oh, they just did a blanket copy and paste. I'll give them a pass this time. But yeah, now it's like, I expect a, because when I blast people, I say, hey, my name's Josh Bolton. Um, I'm the host of the show. This is like kind of like my up and coming story. We could talk about that. There's some wicked emotional roller coasters in that. that we Or we could talk about business. If for some reason that's not cool, we could talk about conspiracy theory and aliens. If you don't want to talk about that, well, just tell me that kind of thing. But, <laughs> yeah, is- but the thing is, the, 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 the problem is that far too many people feel like if they put their information on, on those sites, that people will find them, that they will never have to write another pitch or no, never have to write their have first pitch. And they won't have to, they won't have to write compelling pitches at all. That's bullshit. And yeah, it's very much bullshit. And of course, the other thing is, is on every single site I'm on, my profile either has my name as the blind blogger or it, it very, mentions very early that I am a totally blind person so I can't go off of their profile artwork artwork. No. And and these and people should know that. They should, but you know, I get a lot of people who just think that the blind blogger is a cool nickname to borrow the line from Wayne's World. It's sad to say when you first reached out to me when it was like the blind blogger is like, oh, like you're blind to what is going on in blogging, kind of thing. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay. And then when I read through your profile, I'm like, oh no, he it's a literal name. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it's a literal name given to me by the loving people in the bloggers helping bloggers group on LinkedIn many years ago. <laughs> yeah. But that's the big thing for me. Like, see, I'm trying to get on as many shows as I humanly can within my time frames. Uh, I actually like going on other shows now because I don't have to edit it. Oh, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, um, but for me, like, I, I tell people that, oh, you got on so many shows. I'm like, I had to send 2,000 messages to 
2,000 different people, sorry, 2,000 total to two, um, messages, and I only get maybe 200 replies. From the 200 replies I get, 50 are interested. From the 50, I only got booked on three. Okay. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to say this, and you can, you can, you can choose to believe me or not, but this, okay. is the, this is the honest truth. Okay, I've been doing this since 2013, booking myself on podcasts and reaching mm -hmm. out to show hosts for friends and clients. Um, I start off with a short story, then I expand on the story. I've, and over the years, I'm averaging between 75 and 85% of the people who respond to the initial email. And I'm and averaging and I'm averaging somewhere around 60% that get that get booked and recorded. And that's my recent one I've been doing is actually like expanding on the story. Why, like why it's an emotional roller coaster, if you want that, or why am I good at helping with business? And, uh, yeah, and, and I'm noticing an uptick, but it's one of those, again, it's, it's so few and far between It's like, is this the one I did right. in January? Or is this the one I'm doing did like last week? All right, let's, let's do this. Okay. Um, let's get you to come on my podcast because I okay. think your story fits the general outline of what's your excuse. All right. <laughs> okay. And then after, because in the process of having you on my podcast, I'm going to learn more about your story myself. Okay. Okay. All right. Then just for fun, uh, you pick 10 or 12 podcasts that you want to be on that you haven't pitched before. Okay. And you give me that list and I will, I will see how many of those shows I can get off of the first email. And if I, if I have to follow up with a second email, how many I get off that second email, we'll see, we'll see how I do. Um, I sometimes think that one of the reasons why I have such good luck for the people that I reach out for is because the emails all still come from the blind blogger. The signature is still the blind blogger. So I think that the fact that 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 element of disability is in the email address and the, the name that the website that the message comes from, I think that slows people down for maybe that one half a heartbeat or something. I don't know. I I, I have days where I'm like, yeah, the, the visual impairment really helps me. I, a lot of people cut me breaks that they wouldn't if I weren't. But then I have other days where, Max, it's because of the vision loss and the fact that you still show up and do all this crazy stuff that people are impressed by. So, But I, I, I'd be interested. I'd be willing to do that and see how it works. Uh, after all, uh, my primary source of income these days until somebody discovers the podcast network and decides to throw $100 million at me hey. uh, is – is uh is getting people on podcasts and radio stories and other online platforms um last fall one of my clients was given a feature article in a diva magazine which is one of the few electronic magazines it's also a print magazine and so not just the podcast that's that's the main thing i do but that's how i pay the bills that allows me to travel to conferences um it allows me to do some of the work on the podcast network or as i say my publicity work allows me to support my writing, my writing, traveling, and speaking habit. <laughs> I'm just okay at this point. Like, if they're still listening, that's great. Well, how much do you normally charge? Let's say I wanted to get on lowball, like a, an episode a week, a different show. What would you price that? Episode a week, uh, at, at, at least one episode a week. That's like my that's like my starter. That's like my starting level because I feel like that's. I feel like if I can't do one a week or five a month, that I'm probably, you know, I'm probably doing them a disservice. So okay. that's usually that's usually that's usually about two fifty a month. Okay. Now, 
Now, I will I will break this down for them in two directions. One is when I say that, that that price isn't just the podcast bookings, okay? That is also assuming that the client or the podcast host deliver me the information to work with. That also includes blog posts about their interviews on my website, social media promotion of their interviews, and a message to my email list about their interviews, because I believe that the booking is just part of the whole process. So that's that's what they're getting for that two fifty a month. Now, holy the, uh, shit! Sorry, I was just one of those. I had a guy on, and I get a lot of good guests from his company. It's actually a Filipino-based one, and it's six hundred a month for one episode a week, and they don't do half the stuff you offer. Right, I know, but most people don't know that, so uh, I'm, I'm having to continue to explain this to people. I I actually spoke to the people at uh, Podcast Connection at Podcast Valet. And I actually should be raising my rates any, you know, pretty much any time I talk about it, people are telling me I should raise my rates. But yeah, um, I'm sitting here like, can I lock it in at that rate? <laughs> yes, you can. Sure. Send me an email and we're through. I'll send you an invoice. Um, <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. Okay. I, uh, I was at a conference. I was at PodFest in Orlando in 2020. I was one of the speakers there. I actually closed the podcast 101 track. I got to follow Dave Jackson uh, to the mic and close that, that track in the event. And I talked to the people at um, at uh, Interview Valet. Uh, okay. They charge a hundred dollars per booking, and they get uh, they get a quarter of that. They get a quarter of the year calendar year up front. Yeah. So it's so it's not just they're getting more per episode, but they're getting that money up front for an entire three months, which. You know, I like to do. I have a, I have a ninety day package that you know is a thousand dollars and includes all of that. But the thing is, you know, me and you are just talking here. What what would I charge for a month? And so two fifty is what I charge for a month. Um, if you know, if y'all don't get a hold of me soon, it might be six hundred or five hundred or something. The but the other but you know, interview value valet like I say is um is a hundred is a hundred an interview booking with none of that other stuff that I do, and you're looking at thirteen hundred dollars up front. Uh, the one that was really no women. It's a total of forty. Yeah, I got some. Um, y'all can check their website. It's a total of forty five hundred up front, which covers the first quarter, and that get, I don't know how much that breaks down to per interview. Four thousand five hundred. That's for the about, first three months. So that's yeah. about forty five interviews, pretty much. Yeah, something like that. But I don't think that they booked that many interviews. I I, I wish I I wish I had that flyer with me still. The one that I thought was really crazy was when I talked to the guys at Interview Connection. Um, they they insist on fifteen thousand dollars up front, and that mm -hmm. gets you one interview a week for fifty weeks. Oh, and some of the like I've intentionally invited guests onto my show for that exact reason. I'm like, well, how can you justify what you're doing? Because like one of my guests was telling me, oh, for I don't know how you feel about it, Maxwell, but he was like, I want I charge. $100,000 for my mastermind. I'm like, so wait, a group call with 20 of you on a Zoom, and I have to pay you 100 k a year to get into that group call? I'm like, again, you're trying to prove them like masterminds are not scammy, but this is really scammy. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I find people who want to charge me thousands to be on their podcast or who tell me how much, how big a favor they're doing me by letting me sign on to their mastermind for ten thousand dollars a month you know um I, you know i'm one of these people i go to these conferences and i see these pitches usually because the pitches come with free food and i <laughs> i'm self-funded so i likes to eat 
So I'll go to them, but I will tell the host up front, look, man, I'm only here for the food. I do not have the budget to purchase what you're fixing to try to sell me. And if that's okay with you, it's okay with me. And I will so be over far, here with the lobster. Yeah. Well, none of them, uh, none of them were good enough to have lobster, but there was, <laughs> you know, some, some really good sushi at one of them. Ooh, nice. Um so you know, but I, so I so far I've never been kicked out of a meeting. I think because uh, it was like I kind of lend a little bit of uh, prestige to being in the room, even if everybody knows that Max ain't going to buy. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't like those. Yeah. I have an off. I have an offer that I'm working on that I think is crazy money. But I've talked to people who who have you know um, ass- assessed my value and and I think that this could actually work. Well pitch it. Um, I'll say okay, I'll tell so, you right now. All right, so here's here's the idea. Um since meeting Max in person has a value that a lot of people just wouldn't get from me over the internet because most people can think about in their heads, hey, if Max is willing to travel cross country by himself, blind guy with no fears, then automatically he's already done stuff I won't do. That's mm-hmm. where I started. So this is an in-person offering, uh, but I'm actually looking for a couple of beta clients who will let me try it out virtually. So it's an in-person offering. And the idea is, is I want to take somebody from, from zero to being totally prepared to put themselves out there online and then getting them at least, uh, I would say at least three months worth of bookings as part of a total package that would be $10,000. Now, that may sound crazy, but I'm talking about going no. from uh, helping them understand what their story is, because a lot of people really just don't understand what about them is is or would be compelling. You know, teaching them how to tell the story effectively, working with them on their their artwork, their social media profiles, their their bios, their uh, uh, media kit pages, uh, running them through a lot of actual you know under real stress question and answer sessions uh, and then eventually booking them on my podcast and then also giving them three months worth of bookings on other people's podcasts. I, I, and plus, like I say, it would all be in person would be very interactive, very hands on. Um, and a lot of it would really be, I think there'd be a lot of, of actual coaching, even though I don't consider myself a coach in that process of, you know, just really getting totally prepared to put themselves out into the world because a lot of people that is scary. And, and it is. And if I had the money, uh, I would have paid you, but I'm too cheap for that. Um, no, <laughs> and, but let me put it this, this way. I just ran the numbers really quick while you were talking. Yeah. Um, and so let's say you still stick with your 250 a month. So that's 750. And if you did your 10 grand divided by three, that's $3,333. And then okay. 0.3333, whatever. Yeah, but, I got you. So you minus the, let's say the bookings, that's still two grand, but that's for three months. So I divided it by three, that's 800 bucks. Still what you're offering, I'm going to say, what's your hourly rate? What's your go-to rate? Because this sounds like it's going to be at least three to four hours up front every week to help this one person. I think it's going to, I don't have an hourly rate. I used to have an hourly rate, but if I told you how I came up with the number, you'd laugh at me. Um, Okay. What is it? I'm going to say, I'm I. My hour, my hourly rate is uh, is one hundred dollars per hour, and I haven't changed it in like five years. And basically, what I did was I said, you know, um, there are these services online that advertise telephone numbers that are generally anywhere from ninety nine cents to a dollar ninety nine a minute. I said, I, I and I said, you know, I know that I'm worth at least that much money. So basically, I took the 
the the t- the nine seven six number pricing model and add a little bit to that number. I told you to laugh at me. No, I'm just laughing because it's a good ex- um, explaining. I'm just redoing yeah, the math real yeah. quick. So, yeah, so you said it would include um, all your coaching. So you're saying for eight hours a month, essentially, you'll coach me. Because the, the residual after your booking and the um, the monthly breakdown, it's $861. Are okay. you sure you want to commit you, to eight hours? Can you do that number? I, I might be willing to commit to it. Explain to me how you got to that number, though. So 10,000. Right. Divided by three is okay. 3,333. Okay. So from 3,330, I'm going to clear that because it gets weird with the decimal. I minus, um, so I did 250 by three. Okay. So you minus the 750 from 2,000. The it's from the 3,333. Okay. So then that leaves over $2,583 for three months. Hmm. I divided that by three, the three months, and it was 861. Well, let's just say that if y'all see this on his show, y'all better y'all better sure as hell tell me you saw it on his show because because I ain't gonna do that again, man. That's gonna... yeah. They don't say this is I'll only for Josh's one, show. I'll do that one time to get experience, maybe. You right. Because because uh, we need to do a test run. Uh, so right. yeah, I like that. So so you know, this has actually been very um, very very helpful. I almost feel like I should be getting a bill from you for this conversation, but, <laughs> but but I feel like I've given as much value as I've gotten, so I'm not going to expect one. It's mutual. But the yeah, invoice will yeah. be in the mail, though. But that, but that, but that is cool. That is cool. So yeah, um, I, you know how it is with us uh, creative entrepreneurs. We really have to work and struggle with pricing, and uh, right. and, and it's difficult because it's not all just math. A lot of it is trying to figure out what value am I offering people, and what is the monetary equivalent of the value they'll receive, not just the time spent. Right. So that is very difficult. But yeah, I, I, um, you know. 250 a month to get them four bookings uh, or one booking a week is the way I look at it. Cause I, I should be able to get somebody four bookings a month in my sleep at this point. Uh, <laughs> you probably did email me in your yeah, sleep. Well, you're you just like, I, okay. You know, there were, there have been times in the last few months where I've woken up and checked with Alexa and she's told me about appointments I had that I didn't remember making. So <laughs> uh, that's too good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but, the last point I was going to make uh, about uh, interview connection and people were wondering, Max, why are you mentioning your competition? Well, because they make me look good. Yeah. Um, in addition to that 15000 up front for a year, you also don't get any social media or email or email list promotion from them either. Oh, and, and that's, that's where I sat there. And I, I, when you said ten grand for three months, I was like, that's cheap for everything he just explained on the back end. They, well, good. That's we, the way I'm going to present it. That's the way I'm going to present it. I'm going to tell him that. It's uh well maybe I'll need to add a little bit. Maybe I need to make it fifteen thousand, ten thousand for the first month with the with the really intensive stuff, and then the uh, the twenty five hundred a month for the last two months. Maybe that's what I need to look at. Maybe I need to raise the total up to fifteen, and then I'll make at least a thousand dollars a day for the days I'm actually coaching people. There are people who do that. There, there's that's a- the thing about. See, this is the thing about it is when I'm in my room by myself, I'm like Max. Be happy to get two fifty a month, 
But when I talk to people who are, you know, who have been at it longer than I have, or who are, are much more financially successful than I am, and I, and I talk to this, them about this, like, for example, I had a great conversation with uh, Karen Yankovich, who is uh, like one of the really top experts on LinkedIn. And okay. her, her podcast is called Good Girls Get Rich. And I, was, I mentioned the idea of this thing for, you know, I told her I would really love to do it. And her first reaction was, yeah, Max, that's just started about 10,000 plus your travel expenses. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to add in because you're not including your travel expenses. No, I have to include my travel expenses. Yeah. So yeah. that's like for me, when I have gone on other shows saying like, if you want me to come out to your company and an- analyze it and break down all the numbers like I just did with Max, a minimum 10 grand to make me look. And then you got to buy me my hotel and my flight. And if a rental is needed, I'll figure out food kind of thing. But <laughs> Um, and as from Mike, yeah, to, to that much time, cause it's going to take me a week and a lot of back end stuff, minimum 10 grand, but it might be more than that in the future. And a lot right. of, uh, literally a lot of entrepreneurs are like, oh, we were expecting like 80 to hundred grand plus whatever else. And I'm like, well, I don't want to scalp you right out of the gate. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a little bean. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, I really do appreciate this. Most hosts, and, and I do this myself a lot, but most hosts would not think, hey, that guy has a question or a problem. I'm going to help him before I finish talking to him. So I really appreciate just having that kind of an attitude. Um, and this is one of the most important things that I have to teach people about podcasting is beyond the nuts and bolts, beyond getting booked and having conversations and promoting. The most important thing is having conversations and using them to build relationships and also leaving yourself open for other opportunities. One of the things I like to talk about a lot with podcast interviews is make sure you put your, and and I need to do better at this myself, as we talked about earlier, but put yourself in a position to ask them if they would like to have fries with that, you know? Exactly. Because a lot of these podcast hosts have other gigs. They have conferences they're planning, collaborative books they're going to do, speaking events they're they're working on, they may know somebody or come in contact with somebody who you would be perfect for. And so you really want to try to think about, you know, be in the moment, think of it as a conversation rather than an interview. Uh, Think of it as an adventure or an experience rather than something you're doing because you have to, to promote your business. And this will become the, just like me, just like, uh, just like uh, my friend here, this will become the most fun, most energizing thing you do to promote your business. You'll create a whole bunch of content, and all you'll have to do is tell people, hey, go go listen to me here. And uh, you'll eventually build yourself a brand because that's that's what I've done. I've gone from Mr. Midway to the blind blogger, and I'm still the blind blogger. But a lot of people also refer to me as the no excuses guy or Mr. What's your excuse? So I have I go by many names, but all of this stuff online is a continuous work in progress of having conversations with people, getting in front of their audiences and giving them the opportunity to like me and maybe to reach out to me and, and see where those things lead. So hundred uh, th- percent. thanks to you, buddy, buddy. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have to change my, my pricing ideas. And, uh, but I did mean it sincerely earlier. No, if I, there I, are, if there are, look, if there are people still listening at this point, still watching <laughs> at this point, and y'all heard me say two fifty or 10,000, just tell me you saw me on this show and I will stand good for it. Yeah, so he his prices might be more 20, 30k yeah. for the quarter. Don't don't get excited you, when you visit the website at the blindblogger.net slash online dash publicity. Because <laughs> those numbers may change, but you know, 
uh, you just go, hey, Max, I saw you on the show and you said. Back so. at Feb- uh, March 4th, 2022. And you'll be up. Oh, yep, that's Josh. Okay. We'll honor and that the thing about And the thing about it is, look, since since uh since this isn't you know life or death for me since my since even though i'd like to even though we would always like to be doing better or more right th- this you know if somebody hires me for 250 a month or if somebody books a in person for 10 grand it's not going to kill me because my needs are already being provided for you know right. between between god and my family and my own hustling but my needs are being taken care of so yeah i would be more than happy to actually have to do that because it would mean two things. It would mean one people were watching and paying attention to your show. And two, because I was on your show, they decided to reach out to me. Those two things would make it worth, you know, worth doing it. So, Oh, a hundred percent. And and that's one of those, just so you know, Maxwell, this is one of those, I, I thoroughly believe, like you said earlier, I'm going to touch on that. And we get back to this is you do this is a conversation if you literally talked to me a year ago i was awkward and i couldn't i couldn't understand the flow of anything but now that i've done this so much i'm like oh it's just literally it's like a conversation like like me and him metaphorically are sitting at a coffee shop just no intensity just have fun yeah and if you're talking about yourself or something you're passionate about you don't have to fake the energy no. Uh, the other thing is, is, if you're talking about yourself, you don't have to worry about what's the host going to ask me because the host can't ask me a question I don't know the answer to. Right. He can ask me a question I don't want to know the answer to, and he can ask me a question I'm not comfortable giving the answer to, but he can't ask me a question I don't know the answer to. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. It- and, and the great thing about doing these conversations is conversations is, you know, there's a, I don't remember the woman's name, but the woman who sang uh, Let It Go from Frozen, okay? Okay. A great singer, and she's like, that's what she does. So for the most part, she can sing pretty much anywhere at any time. But she said, you know, that one song, because of, of how it's written and how difficult it is, that's the one song she sings that she can't just roll out of bed and sing. So for the most part, we can have these conversations, and they're great. But even somebody who's done as many as I have and as many as you have, Every so often, somebody's going to come along and you're going to go, yeah, I could just roll out of bed and talk to them. But, man, I need I need to get myself emotionally ready because this person is important to me or their audience is important to me or I just happen to like this person and respect them. And so I want to make sure that I'm as as in the moment and present as I possibly can be. And that actually has happened a few times to me. And I 100 percent agree because like I being like a trader um, for stocks and stuff, not like, ah, bombs, trader. <laughs> um, I invited my like guy, I've, I've been reading books on futures co- contracts and I invited, uh, his name's Ken Robert. And um, essentially he's a, a commodity trading legend, uh, huge following. And it was just one of those, I said, hey, like, I have a show, I'm young, but I'm interested in trading. Can like, I pick your brain for an hour kind of thing. Well, now that I've been talking to him a year, he was just, he was overjoyed that a 29 year old actually knew who Ken Roberts was, but because <laughs> he was huge in the eighties and nineties. And I, um, by the time he came of like retirement is when I was just going to like junior high. So okay. anyone else would never have known him. And that's where we were chatting. And essentially, um, yeah, like you said, the, we just chatted he was giving me tips and tricks and saying, don't look at this. That's stupid kind of thing. But then we were talking about podcasting. He's like, oh, he's like, 
I, I, he's like, I technically now looking back, I've been doing podcasting since the eighties before it was even a thing, but I'd record conversations and put it on a cassette. Those of you listening to this, you don't need to worry yourself about it. It was I'm like, they are good though. They're fun. Okay. So let me ask you this. Did you happen to ask him where those cassettes are? Uh, I actually have them in my, I actually went and bought a boom box for a cassette player to listen to them. Man, you and him need, you and him need to sign a contract to release that audio. I would it, definitely his, be looking into that. It's his IP. So it's fine. Um, the only one he can't sell is he because he had a self-publishing book and um, like a, a chart distributing company. So in like buying his packages, he'd throw in a free CD and burn it. But it was copyright music. So he's like, I had to pay him like 50 cents a CD. He's like streaming nowadays. I don't even know how that would work out. And he's like, so I just don't I don't hand out music anymore. But that's one of them. I told him like, hey, you know, can we can I use that kind of thing? And he's like, yeah. I'm retired. I have my money. I'm not worried kind of thing. Get him to put that down on paper somewhere. Yeah. Um, I see him Monday. So I'll talk to him about it. Yeah, I would definitely, I'm serious. I would, I would, now this is just me and I do a lot of crazy stuff that I regret later, like having more than one website. That's something I wish I'd (laughs) never done. But if this were me just looking at this as an opportunity, I would be thinking this is years of content from an expert in the industry there has to be a certain percentage of it that could be the could be the content for a second podcast for you. Oh, and and that's literally like I have his personal cell and I text him. It's funny. He he's like 60, 70 years old. He has a, a the newest iPhone. He still doesn't know how to text, send a text message. <laughs> he's like, these well, confounded text messages and SEO and emails. I'm like, Ken. It's actually really just easy. call me. Just call me on the phone, Ken. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, but that's that is one of the really cool things, the really underrated things about having a podcast is the freedom it gives you to reach out to people that you want to learn from, and just ask them, "Hey, could you come on my podcast and answer some questions for me and my audience?" And and, and more I'll often back than to not, they will say yes. Yeah, yeah. More. I've, I've, for the most part, I would say in the ninety percent range, people have said yes. Uh, there have been a few that have said not this, not at this moment. And there's only been a really only a couple that have said, no, they're they're just, they're just too busy and we'll, we'll never have time for something like that. Um, one of my favorite, yeah, yeah, one of my favorite, not now that I've got to follow up on is, uh, is a guy named Eric Wehamir, who's a famous adventurer who happens to be blind and his last adventure was rafting the Colorado by himself. So he's, He's that would be a fun story to hear. Yes, yes. I well, he wrote, for that. Yes, yes. Well, he wrote a book about it, and he he sent me the audio book, or his publicist did, and his mark, or his his VA, whoever it was, sent it to me. Said, uh, "Mr. Ivy, he would love to come on your podcast, providing two things: one, that you that you affirm that you've listened to his latest book, which is fine because I love it. I, I love his storytelling, and the other thing is you have to do it like during these 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 months of the year." when it's less likely that he will be preparing for to go off to someplace in the, you know, in other parts of the world or will have already left for them. So I, I read the book, but then I lost, then, you know, I lost my laptop for a while. So I need to follow up um, with him and, you know, so it's, but, but it does give you great license. And Hey, when somebody tells you, no, they're not interested or they don't have time, 
it's you know, their it's, loss then. It is their loss because um, these conversations usually do teach you something about yourself as the guest. And, uh, and you know, if they had taken the time, they probably would have um, probably would have a, received another fan who's you know one of those diehard super fans but some of these people are just so busy are just so driven that they don't have time for it um and in fact i made a list last year or a year and a half ago of people i wanted to get on my podcast and so far none of them have said yes and two of them have even died so i've got to i gotta update my list and go back to the famous folks but i generally have more fun talking to average people who have who have who are living, you know, challenging lives and and doing it with style and grace and humor. Oh yeah, that's the best way to go. I would just but, I, I just want to add on one thing for you to yeah. that, and then we can uh, get back there. Is like for me, I've had a lot of people. I I've literally told them off air once I turned the recording off. I'm like, any other normal circumstance, there's no way I would have gotten your attention. And they're like, yeah, if it wasn't for your show, like we would not have looked at you. And that's wow. where, like, for me, I talked to a, a CEO of a public, well, he's not the CEO. He's like the region, like supervisor, which is pretty much the CEO of the American branch kind of thing. Yeah. And and that's where he even said, like, I, he's like, I'm more of a marketer. I want to promote my, my company I work for kind of thing. But he's like, also, if you just tried to reach out for 15 minutes of my time via email, I would have brushed you off. But I'm like, and I got an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it's interesting. And there's a, there's a, there's a, another part of podcasting that most people don't consider podcasting, but I do because it has really helped me a lot. I've made some great connections because of this mm-hmm. is there are, uh, there are what are called online learning platforms. And I'm not talking about teachable. Uh, what I'm talking about is the, and the company that I've been giving talks for, for on their platform now for about three years is called Nepris. N-E-P-R-I-S.com. And what they do is they match teachers who want professionals or experts to give talks to their classrooms over Zoom. And I've been doing talks for them for three plus years now. As a result, because of doing those talks, I've gotten to meet the CEO of that company and a lot of the top staff and was even hired by them to give a talk to their uh, staff meeting last year. It was my was my first paid speaking event and since I started doing public speaking in 2017, but it was really because I was doing these talks and it is just really satisfying to share your knowledge and experience with uh, high school, junior high school, and even elementary age kids that are there wanting to hear from you. Uh, and of course, it's just like doing a podcast and that I don't have to leave the house. The only thing is it's it's not pre-recorded. It's, it's you know, it's a live it's where live. I talk to them and they do a Q&A. And, but uh, the funny thing is, is that whenever I do an, uh, a talk for their platform, they send me the, uh, the link where I can post the video of it on my website. And they've also given me permission to post the audio because that's not something they do as, as a regular thing for everybody that gives every talk. Right. But I asked them for it. So they sent it to me. So every time now I post their video and I also post the audio but I but I upload their audio to my podcast feed. Good. Yes, no, guess good. Which, yeah. Guess which guess which episodes on my podcasting feed have the highest number of downloads for the last three plus years? Those. Yep. Yep. No, those it, are the ones that, those are the ones that get the most traffic and the most downloads. 
and they have nothing to do with my podcast other than I feel like, you know, maybe somebody can learn something from what I was telling the school kids. Exactly. Well, and what it might be is, do you do transcripts for your um, podcast? No, I need to do that. That's one of those things that's on the list. Okay. Because I was going to say, for me, how I've grown explosively is transcripts. I mean, I don't just run it through Grammarly. That would take all day just to edit one whole transcript. But I just, I take it and I paste it. And um, I've just noticed like, um, well, a lot, I've talked to multiple uh, blind people on the show and that's one of them. They said they appreciate my transcripts because they're like, um, we can, um, we can hear you. I know that's where they said, and then we can hear what you're saying on the thing. And I'm, I now I'm listening to thinking about my, they're hearing the same word twice in the echo. I'm like, that would drive me nuts. Kind I think thing. it's, I think it's the, I think it's the ability to, uh, to have some control over what you're listening to as a, whereas a podcast is generally a continuous stream with the text. They have the ability to navigate that text with their screen reader and, and that's maybe go back to the parts that they really, that they were really interested in. Um, and maybe, maybe if they hear something that didn't quite make sense to them. Um, a friend of mine just recently was telling me that there are some really reasonable rates for, uh, for otters. So I'm, 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 i I'm looking towards paying for one of the services that will do the transcriptions for me because I, I do understand that's one of those things that needs to be there. The other, the other aspect of it for me is, is as we grow this podcast network, eventually I'm going to get in trouble with somebody for not having those transcripts on the website. Same, same here. That's why I, I did it right out of the gate. Someone told me that. So actually let's talk off air about that. Cause I still have like 5,000 minutes left over for my months. <laughs> so let's talk off air about that. Okay. All right. That sounds like a great deal. So, so honestly, I'm loving it. I don't want to, I actually need to go to the restroom. So I got three questions for you before I head out. All right. We'll do these last three questions and I'll try to keep it reasonably short and then we'll call it a day. Okay. So my, uh, my three questions are other than work, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy during these COVID lockdown times? I read, I listen to the sports on the Sirius and I sing. Nice. So then what is the second question is someone that is now just utterly inspired to be like you, adventurous, fearless, not letting anything block you in life. What are some tips, tricks, or advice you'd give them to start down that path? I would say do it without, uh, before thinking about it, that, uh, for the for the majority of people in the world, the more they plan, the less likely they are to take action on something, which is why I think that the advice most podcast launch co- coaches are giving is backwards because they talk about, you know, uh, diving deep into who your avatar or ideal audience is going to be and, you know, recording lots of content in the beginning and editing and doing, you know, a lot of things that require planning and thought and consistent effort. And most people that's just not the way they're going to succeed. Most people, they need to just press record and start doing whatever it is they're doing and, you know, live, learn from and live with the mistakes that they're going to make along the way. And the, you know, the same thing applies to anything else. I was, I was talking to my friend, Emily, who's a snowboarder and she's crazy. And she was telling me they have this uh, one stretch of, of snow. Now they're calling heart attack alley because they realized halfway through the, through this stretch of snow that there wasn't any, uh, warning on one side of the slope that had a 10 foot cliff. And, 
And she was able to use her skills as a snowboarder to make the snowboard stall before she went over the edge. But basically she scared the hell out of her coaches. And so they, they now call it, but you know, but uh, all they did was the next day go out and run that same run again with cameras, you know? So a lot of it is really just, just taking some sort of small action, uh, doing what you can with the skills and abilities and money you have at the moment and trying, really trying hard to avoid those, those four really dangerous words, which are should or should not, you know, because a lot of times we get ourselves into trouble because we're doing it the way everybody else is doing it instead of doing it the way that would work for us. hundred percent. So then we've kind of said it throughout the whole thing, but where can everyone contact you at? Yeah, they can find me at theblindblogger.net. They can send an email to just ask at theblindblogger.net. Uh, they can click on the online publicity page if they want to hire me. They can go to wyexcuse.com if they want to find out more about the podcast network. Uh, if they want to start a podcast or if they know somebody who might want to start a podcast, and that applies to individuals with disabilities as well as organizations that want to support the disability community with their content. That's wyexcuse.com. Uh, my podcast, like everything else, you can go to theblindblogger.net, but you can also tell Alexa or Google or Siri to, you can tell them, hey, play what's your excuse. And they will, as far as I know. So those are the ways people find me. Um, I really do hope that people will reach out to me. I don't share my email address just for the heck of it. I want people to understand they don't have to be ready to hire me, book me, or buy something from me to talk to me because there have been way too many times in my life where I met somebody, had a conversation without expectations, made a new friend, had a new business relationship, and found new opportunities from it. So if there's something you want to ask me, then remember this important, this important uh, ad, admonition. It is so much easier for me to answer an awkward question than it is for me to clean up the mess that happens when you guess at the answer. So if there's something you want to know, just ask, which is, the for the of course the reason for the email address just ask at the blindblogger.net love it love it this has been one of those i've learned so much and i am just i'm loving the energy hey, the other i've learned so much too and if it wasn't for the fact that you need to go to the bathroom and i feel like i'm starting to have overstayed my welcome we keep doing this for a while so <laughs> i feel like we anytime, were gonna... hey hey anytime somebody doesn't show up or you just want to hang out with me whether you want to record it or not whatever just let me know because i would definitely love to hang out with you again Oh, and, wonderful. Thank you. And and, uh, and I'm going to send you my calendar link so we can get you on What's Your Excuse. Perfect. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're an awesome person. Not many make it here. So being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app, if you do it on Apple... Uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website, I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations, you're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy uh, some extra help over on um, YouTube. Watch my videos. I, mean, I just mute it and change the channel. <laughs> change the the window or something but yeah um that's it thank you for being awesome and see you next time